0: into a content creation economy uh, and I think we're still at the beginning so there's still a lot more that's going to happen and I hope writing gets its due because uh, you know you you see something that's written and you feel like oh it's just there but it takes a lot to to write a piece of content and I'm just really glad to see uh, it's getting its due now. You seen- You've seen me fight, the demons
1: I face You give me air, when I can't breathe Thanks for tapping on this episode. This is your host, Kare, and you are listening to The Women's Stories, the only Indian podcast where I bring extraordinary stories of unconventional business women. Freelance writer to being director and head of a global company. What a journey it must be. My heart tickles when I get to know amazing stories of women freelancers paving their own path and making their space in leadership positions. Today, we'll be listening to one such story. Prusha Sehejwani started her career as a freelance writer at BookMyShow. My Show. A renowned Indian business to book tickets for shows, movies, and concerts. She is presently leading as the director and head of Asia Market for Sociable. Sociable is a SaaS platform for internal communication, employee advocacy, and employee engagement used by companies such as Coca Cola, Disney, Microsoft, and Renault. Key takeaways from this conversation getting your foot into international brands as a freelance writer, shifting career from writing to PR and marketing creating pr and marketing strategies for getting into global market without further ado let's deep dive into this conversation uh, so first of all Krusha, i uh, warmly welcome you on the season two of the women's stories i'm super glad to have uh, a majestic uh, personality like you and let's enjoy this conversation it would be a very late back conversation
0: where uh, we will learn mutually thank you
1: kushi thank you so much for
0: having me looking forward to chatting
1: uh so uh My first question for you is how freelance writing has changed since 2014, as that was the year when you started freelance writing.
0: Uh, sure. So for me, you know, writing has uh, always been in my life, like I think since school. Uh, it's just been one of those constants, no matter what job changed or what life changed, that was something that was with me. But funnily enough, I think I never considered doing it as a full time career ever. Like I don't think it ever crossed my mind. Uh, there was always, you know, I think with most writers, there's always in the back that one day I'll, I'll be a writer, like in some form or way. So that's always been there. Uh, but I think uh, for me, freelance writing at that time was. Whenever I had an open space in my life, so in 2014, if I was between jobs or I was, uh, you know, having a slower period at some job, anything, the first thing I do is write. So um, at that time, I reached out to like book my show and, uh, uh, you know, thought. So first was book my show. I think I did like a few review pieces. Uh, I remember very well. I did like an article on uh, some movie with Madhuri and uh, Juhi. I don't know who had come like their comeback kind of very feminist movie. So I written about that. And um, then later when I was in Paris and this was uh, 2016, where uh, there again I was you know work was very busy but I had some some downtime because I was living alone in a city I didn't know anyone (laughs) in or know the language in so I got more time to write because I was alone and uh, that's when I submitted thought catalog for example Uh, at that time they used to take guest posts uh, if it was selected and I was really really excited when it was and a lot of my articles got published there Uh, those were more lifestyle articles you know like uh, fun things like Ten things you would want to make sure about your man before you decide to settle down, or like things like that. So that was fun. Uh, today, I feel like so for me, I've started writing much more publicly. I'd say in the last two years, especially in the last year, but in the last two years. Uh, so I have an Instagram page called Write the World Pink where I write maybe five times a week or so. Uh, I write a lot on my LinkedIn. And I've managed to submit like short stories uh, to a couple of different publishers, where in contests and things like that, it got selected. Uh, I recently wrote like you know two articles on Medium. Um just now uh, it's new <laughs> still and I, it's just again something I do when, when I have some time at all uh, but I think what's changed is the options uh, two things have changed I feel one uh, there are just a lot more places to write at whether it means writing on your own like on social media or if it means submissions to uh, you know different companies magazines uh, I just think the options are a lot more today uh Also, what I feel has happened is I think there was a reason writing never occurred to me to be a full time career. Uh, Honestly, I don't think it's looked at as the kind of career that pays (laughs) at all. Uh, And obviously, all of us, you know, have to pay our bills. Um, And I was someone who wanted to be financially independent. but I, I see so many freelance writers today, like on my LinkedIn, who are doing this as full-time jobs and are doing well. Uh, so I personally love my day job. So I, I still kind of balance the two. So I, I don't have an inclination to, you know, go full-time as of now. Uh, but I know so many um, uh, freelance writers who write today uh, as full-time careers. And I feel like that's great. Like we're going into a content creation economy. Uh, and I think we're still at the beginning. So there's still a lot more that's going to happen. And I hope writing gets its due because uh, you know you, you see something that's written and you feel like oh it's just there but it takes a lot to, to write a piece of content and I'm just really glad to see uh, it's getting its due now slowly but surely.
1: Yeah there's a lot of writing that is happening and I'm so glad Even I read one of your articles on Thought Catalog where uh, it was uh, five things I learned uh, from uh, living with a strong mother yeah and that was so beautiful that was so beautiful I totally enjoyed reading it.
0: Now that means a lot. It's been so long. So to hear, hear that you've written something before that, that someone remembers is great. Yeah, yeah for me, my mother's is uh, definitely, I think, the reason I'm so independent and the reason uh, like, I like working so much and just I'm positive as a person. All of that comes from her. So, yeah. Beautiful. Uh,
1: so how to apply for a writing position in companies like Vogue, Vogue and other international brands? Mm
0: a great question so to be honest i haven't <laughs> at this point in the sense uh like i said you know my writing uh, has been submissions to blogs in the past like thought catalog and book my show etc the lighter ones uh but in the recent past it's been more writing on my own and like applying for contests when i can uh but i know that all these magazines um portals have very clear guidelines now so if you even go to their website and you see uh, you know they'll have like a, a write for us something of that sort where you can really see their guidelines. I think it's really important something I noticed even through contests that I won that um, very important to just not flush the same piece everywhere at one go like really see what someone is looking for uh, because a Forbes is not looking for what a Vogue is looking for Uh, so I think it's really important I personally in fact want to do a lot more of that in the coming years Uh, so hopefully I'll have better tips to give you but I do think uh, it's quite clear right now you also have a lot of um, LinkedIn creators who talk so much uh, about their process whether it is uh, you know a submission to magazines whether it is writing on LinkedIn itself whether it's writing on Medium Uh, so I think there's just so much knowledge out there that's almost free also, <laughs> like just looking at it, uh, that I think if someone wants to, uh, you know, search for the right keywords, go to these magazines, study the guidelines, uh, also just be okay with rejection. I think that's not it. But I really think uh, in an artistic format, like something like writing, uh, really important to, uh, to be okay with that. I think personally, for me, that's probably why uh one of the reasons why i'm still not i'm still not convinced of doing writing full time because i really love it uh and i just don't want to put any kind of pressure on it uh so when i write for me if i get rejected anyone who gets rejected with anything is going to feel bad uh, but it doesn't pay my bills so I can somehow enjoy, you know, both of them there. Uh, So that's something I'd advise as well, like make sure that you're ready. Sorry
1: to interrupt you in between, but it will be very kind of you if you could take just a second to subscribe or follow the women's stories from whichever platform you are listening the episode now. Is it better to first build connections with editors and writers um, in these international brands or you should directly read the guidelines and apply to it?
0: That's a, that's a good question. I think, uh, I've always believed there's no one way of doing anything. Oh, I really feel like there's for anything, there's no one size fits all. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there's merit in both, uh, something that I have noticed in the writing industry as a whole, like even if it is novel writing, like getting your book published, what's good about it is, uh, you can actually know nobody and still read something, make a submission, mm-hmm. uh, And if, of course, it's a very long shot, uh, but if your book is really good uh, with a lot of persistence, maybe it takes two, three years, but I think you can find like a publisher, for example, uh, which is very rare in a lot of industries, especially like artistic industries. So I definitely think with writing, the accessibility is there, uh, which means you can do it without connection. Uh, That being said, I do think today we are living in a world of uh, personal branding, social media, that is very big. I think if you are someone who likes writing, you already have an edge on social media. Uh, Like for me, for example, when I write on LinkedIn, it doesn't feel like work to me. Uh, Of course, there's a little bit of like making sure I post at the right time, like things like that. Uh, But overall, I love writing. So it doesn't and it doesn't feel like work. Uh, And it's easier to grow your brand because text posts, things like that still work on on LinkedIn. Uh, So I think... There is. If you ask me, I do think there is merit in um, building your personal brand so that if and when you do have something that you want to pitch, uh, you have one more way of doing it and uh, networking always helps. So I don't think it's the only way, uh, but I do think building a personal brand helps. And if you're a writer, you do have a little bit of an edge. Yeah,
1: writing is such a catalytic uh, process. And of course... Now, the world is changing with creator economy. I'm so glad. I mean, uh, like initially, it was only perceived that if you do writing, you could become a poet or a novelist, uh, like copywriting, content writing, blog writing, academic writing. There are so many streams that extremely, uh, I mean, they have a good pay rate.
0: Yeah, for sure. I think. Uh... It's a really good time to be spoiled for choice, uh, like with most of the things in our life today, uh, which is why I also feel it becomes very important to you know, take a step back and ask yourself what you want because uh, writers are of many kinds. You have some writers who just like writing in their diary and never want uh, it published. And there's something very pure about that. And that's great. Uh, there are some writers who like writing fiction, um, you know, on the side, but you don't want to put that pressure on it as a job. And then there are some writers who want to make it a career. And there's so much you can do with it, like you said, with copywriting, etc. So I think also just taking a step back and seeing uh, which one are you at the moment doesn't mean it can't change. But at the moment, who are you? And then then follow it that way.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, that was beautifully summed up. Uh, and also, you were a writer uh, in the book. Uh, you are all I need, by Lavender Singh. I've read that book personally. I mean, oh, wow. yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. At that time, I wouldn't have like noticed. You know, this story is from it this writer. I just uh, read it in a flow. It's it's a beautiful compilation of a lot of amazing stories. So, with your experience, how should someone approach to these authors to apply uh, for these compilation stories?
0: Yeah, so I think, honestly, again, accessibility, I knew nobody, and this was not really planned. It was, um, I think, social media algorithms once in a while do you a favor uh, by listening to you. Uh, So I think uh, because I would search and read content around writing a lot, uh, this was a contest run by Penguin. Uh, the publisher in association with Ravinder and Romadi now. Uh, So between them, uh, I saw it on one of their pages, or it was pushed as an ad to me, one of the things I can't exactly remember, but I literally found out about the contest on Instagram. Uh, I saw the guidelines, uh, I saw what they wanted, I uh, sat and I worked on a short story bases that uh, and I submitted it and they came back after a while I'd forgotten about it. They came back saying you're shortlisted and then I had to resubmit something. Uh, and that's what I did. And then finally I was chosen and uh, became part of the book with uh, 25, uh, 24 other authors. Uh, so it was as simple as that. There was really uh, not knowing anybody or no other, it was just keeping an eye out uh, for these contests. Let's say there's so much on social media, just follow the right people. Uh, keep a tab on these kind of contests. You'll miss some, but at least you, you'll be aware of some. And when you think you're a good fit, just apply. And this happened to be one of those where uh, it wasn't a rejection, it was accepted. Uh, and its it was surreal. It was definitely a little bit of a defining moment, even though it was, I'd say, one story among 25 in a book. Uh, I think still like being published by Penguin is, is something uh, every writer who likes writing fiction has at the back of their mind, <laughs> like someday. Uh, so it was it was a nice milestone. Could you please uh,
1: elaborate uh, that uh, was there when you were finally selected
0: that, like you said that you have to resubmit
1: and yeah, everything that uh, in that line.
0: Sure. Uh, It was very well organized, I'd say. So the steps were very clear. Like once you were shortlisted, we basically had to rework on our story. We got some inputs from Ravinder. We also were supposed to... uh, increase the length of our story, for example. Uh, so we had to work on these things, it was submitted. Uh, of course, Penguin had the editors who worked on it uh, before the final print. Uh, we had a little bit of marketing uh, efforts where you know, they were, they were really nice to make a few um, posts for each of us authors, like a short video that we all shot in our homes because all of this was during lockdown. So everything was uh, done in the whole just COVID uh, <laughs> a protocol where we couldn't really get out at all. Uh, so yeah, that, that was pretty much the process. It was very well managed by Penguin PenguinRomedy, uh, both from the editing and the marketing standpoint. Uh, so for us, we, we were just lucky to get inputs from Ravinder and uh, just rework our story. And still uh, we did have the right to stay true to, to the story we wanted to tell. So that was nice. Uh, please tell us a
1: little bit about the Pink Thread.
0: Sure, so the Pink Thread is uh, something I really love doing it. Something uh, Kimaya and I started uh, last year, again, <laughs> uh, clearly yeah, been a no. busy year. <laughs> yeah, right, actually it was right before the uh, the lockdown. So we were lucky to have, uh, to have met before that and, uh, you know, come up with everything, a vision of what we wanted to do. Of course, the vision involved a lot of like physical events with women and things like that, which had to completely change. Uh, so we launched it in 2020 last year on Women's Day, uh, where the idea was that, we both had had a little bit of like international stints, whether it was through work or through um, through education. And we were both in the corporate world in India. And we were trying to figure our way here as women. And we still actually, we met at these events that happened, you know, a lot of these industry events. We met at a couple of them. And it was really not nice to see that there were not a lot of women <laughs> at a lot of these events. Um, and we were, I think, personally seeking inspiration uh, from women who've been there, done that. And that's why we felt like we wanted to talk to these women leaders and understand their story. We also thought that things in India are so specific. Like you have uh, certain cons that are very specific to India uh, because of our culture. And then there are also certain pros that you have, again, that are very specific to the Indian culture, like a support system and things like that. Uh, So we really wanted to know more. And then we thought, okay, if we're going to interview, you know, try to reach out and interview these women, uh, then why not make those stories accessible uh, to other girls who want to hear this too? And we were sure there would be many so that's how it started um, we still do this uh, now we have a couple of volunteers in the team we have a few key partnerships coming into play uh, but over the last year it was pretty much both of us used to run interviews I would do the writing she would do the marketing because we were both good at those things uh, just you know the website etc It's all been very organic for us uh, because we didn't have a business agenda to it it was more just putting out these stories um, really talking to these people because we want to And luckily, we were very lucky to interview some very amazing women Uh, and, uh, you know, these leaders who otherwise we didn't know whether we'd get FaceTime with so early on in our careers. So it's been really nice. I think this year now that Organically, because it grew beyond what we thought it would, uh, we feel like we have a responsibility now to uh, to do more <laughs> with it. So this year, we are you know working on more partnerships, working to come onto audio, a lot of new projects uh, to talk to more men to really see what can be done on ground in terms of policies and things like that. So uh, it's exciting. I I think it's an exciting time for women in the workplace. I also think that we're very uh, at the beginning of a very long journey of equality that I hope comes soon. So. I just hope we can do a small bit to to accelerate that.
1: Yeah, and the amazing part is that you are focused on corporate women who are um, who are onto leadership positions or who are at least on managerial position. And of course, if we would see the Indian history, it would. I think it was not easy to come onto uh, these positions even uh, ten years back. So of course, that is that is incredible.
0: Exactly what 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 intrigue does because even today, if you see the problems, uh, the problems we are getting a lot of women coming into the workforce, still an issue. But uh, there's also the issue of, you know, just the number of women at leadership positions. So which is why we were very intrigued to talk to the women who made it despite all odds, like what did they do wrong? What did they do right? Uh, I just feel like for even a country for us to progress as a country, we need all our people working. We have some amazing women in this country, and we need more of them to believe in themselves and you know, to be Part of the workforce for themselves, uh, for their families, for just the country at large. I mean, everybody benefits. So, uh,
1: how do you ensure healthy internal communication uh, as a director and heads or at sociable? Like, how do you manage your internal team and how do you give uh, orders or you know, I would say orders <laughs> to the people who are working? Uh,
0: sure, I think. Um, I'm very lucky to, to be working in a company like Social Bill. I think I've been here for five years for a reason in, in a stage of life where people say millennials jump ship very easily. I think they don't if you give them the right uh, environment. And I think I'm proof of that. Uh, so for me, um, it was it actually didn't come. Uh, it wasn't very difficult for me to know what I wanted to do because I got it through observation. Uh, my CEO is an incredible leader. And I think I just learned through him over the years before I had to be in a position to, to lead, I think observing him and talking to him, uh, reading the right books and just just watching him do it, um, I just knew I had to mirror that same kind of thing that he was running at a global level in in our India and our Asia team. Uh, so for me, there are a few things. One, I'm, I'm just very true to myself. I don't think that uh, to be a leader, you need to, uh, you know, change the way you are or never show vulnerability. In fact, I think that that's kind of doesn't work anymore. I think we are in a world of empathetic leadership, uh, especially when you're leading through a pandemic. Uh, you have to understand, uh, there's a lot of like emotional intelligence needed, I feel, to, to be a leader. Uh, so. I'm very open with, uh, we've had, I think sociable as a company is very transparent. So I follow the same thing. I'm very transparent with my team uh, about what's going on, about numbers, about data, about goals, about failures, about wins, about everything. Uh, So I think I would like to think I'm very accessible in the sense that um, I'm very open to talking and understanding where the person stands. Also not very into the hierarchy. I think, I I really believe that as a leader, in fact, you are working for your team and not the other way around, because now you are expecting your team to do certain things and to deliver. And for that, when they need something, you need to be there and not the other way around. So I really don't believe in the whole orders and, uh, you know, just... uh, Of course, you need to have a sense of discipline, you need to set a vision for people to to chase because they need to have purpose when they wake up every day, like what are they working towards, you need to uh, practice what you preach. Uh, But at the end of the day, uh, you've hired someone because they're good at what they do. And just because you're at a leadership position doesn't mean that you're good at everything. Uh, It just means that you need to be good at leading, which means you need to let the person who's good at their job do their job best and just guide them and be there when they need it.
1: Could you please guide us with a step to step method of creating marketing
0: and PR strategies at a global level briefly? Uh, sure. So, I can tell experience. So, for me, it's been a very uh, entrepreneurship journey in the sense um, I didn't start a company from scratch, but I became part of a company um, globally and decided to bring that to, to India, to Asia, and grow it from scratch. Uh, for me, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not from the marketing team. I think you'll find a lot of people from marketing teams who will give you the best uh, inputs in terms of like SEO, paid media, uh, events, how to do that right. Uh, but something I will, will say from my experience is what's worked for me is also just organic. Uh, like I said, you know, building relationships, uh, writing, building, uh, proactively building a brand on LinkedIn um, to the extent I can authentically Uh, talking about my company having uh, my team and everybody that's something we do in fact with clients we talk about employee advocacy that if your employees believe in what you do and if you can empower them with the right content to take it to their personal social media you'll be surprised as as to how much that can help with like website traffic lead generation so i think we leaned on that a lot as a team like the whole employer advocacy and it worked for us um outside of that definitely i'd say i mean you can get a lot of marketing experts to you know talk about um, which forms of digital media work what kind of social listening partnerships you can you can take on seo i think is very relevant again for like an organic reach because just search for something without, or, you know, searching for your brand. Uh, but yeah, I think I'm going to refrain from giving my half-baked marketing knowledge, which is <laughs> more comes from experience and just seeing the, the experts at work. Uh, and I'll let you talk to maybe a marketing expert to dig deeper into that.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was honest. And I like that honesty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, could you please share simple three steps uh, for founders and
0: CEOs to impl- implement employee advocacy? Sure. It's a subject I love. <laughs> so... Uh, um, I think one would be... Uh acceptance uh, which is a mindset i think sometimes a lot of leaders believe that it's not something they need um, i feel of course more and more leaders are realizing this today already but honestly not being on social media today as as a top leader uh, has monetary consequences as well uh, today you know you can see amazing brands creating business through through just being on social media whether it's an elon musk who has more followers than the company or, or if it's a kunal shah with red like they, they do an incredible job uh, by having a personal brand. And you can, I mean, the benefits are already out there. And I think now we are at a point where there's enough data as well uh, to support the fact that if you are on social media as a leader, uh, there are very clear uh, business benefits as well. If you if you want into the soft benefits, there are very clear like business benefits as well. The second thing I would say is, of course, what, what we've seen, because we work with a lot of clients in India and across the globe uh, for employee advocacy projects. So, I mean, uh, may, I may have a bias, but I've really seen that having a tool in place helps um, because what a tool does in a company is it gives employees, including leadership, the, the content about the company, about the industry to share. So I think, uh, of course, lead. Everyone is, but leaders even more are really busy. So if you can have a system where you already have uh, some good curated content that you can then give your voice to and take the social, uh, it makes your life a lot easier. It also makes the whole data analysis a lot easier because you can study uh, how your, your content is performing right? once once you do take up advocacy. Uh, so yeah, I think those would be my, my main tips. Uh, there's a lot of small nuances you know, in terms of uh, and you will find this a lot on LinkedIn if you if you go. I think there a lot of people <laughs> talking about it, uh, but for a good reason. I think there is the, the question of you know I think advocacy has a journey. There's a journey of resharing uh, content that is already available. Then there's a journey of suggesting your own content. Then there's a journey of natively creating content. Um, once you're active on social, there's of course the whole subject of commenting and interacting uh, with other people's content uh, that that grows relationships. Uh, so yeah, uh, there, there's a part of it that of course the CEO that marketing teams in a company can do. Uh, But together, implementing that employee advocacy program, um, this is probably a great time to do that. Lastly, I would love to know
1: if you want to give a message to this podcast to young women, entrepreneurs and uh, women who would be coming into leadership positions soon.
0: Sure, I think um, to all the young women out there, I mean, whatever age you're at, um, I feel like I was very lucky to to get the right mindset. And more than anything else, I feel like that's important. I think in India, we live in a society where you're very often told that, whether consciously, subconsciously, that... Um, you know, if you want to work a little bit, that's okay. Uh, Or don't, or (laughs) the fact that getting married, having kids is the only thing you really need to focus on. Um, And I, I mean, I'm married, I got married really early. So I'm very, I don't think you need to give up anything. I mean, guys have been working and getting married and having kids since forever. So why do we have to choose? So I would say just open your, um, open your mind up or meet other women who are doing different things uh today we have podcasts we have you know youtube we have linkedin we have instagram there's so much content to consume you don't need to know someone to get inspired there's so much you can read and do uh this is just if anyone is listening this is just me saying uh if i can anybody can or if you can like if we are all doing small things like we can all everyone each and everyone is capable of doing it and it just starts with confidence because nothing is thrown on your lap so no one is going to come and tell you that push you that you know you can do this if you're Sometimes you have a great support system, uh, but it comes from within. At the end of it, you need to want to do something uh, badly enough uh, because when there's a rejection or when there is a pitfall or when things take longer than it does, uh, I feel like when the whole dialogue around you is that this is it's okay if you don't do it or you don't really need to do it, it's easier to give up. Uh, so I just really hope that everyone can build that confidence and have that vision to not give up at those times because in the long run, I think it's very important for all our girls to, to be financially independent, to be confident in who they are, just so that they can make their own choices. I'm not saying one choice is better than the other. But for me, I think I just hope everyone can have the confidence and get the experience and the education uh, to just be able to make their own choice, whatever that choice is. Yeah, choice
1: is a big thing and that was such an empowering ending. Uh, you have like covered all the things, all the essential things that uh, <laughs> that a women in leadership position must have. And I w- I'm so glad to have, you know, a subtle but yet an empowering personality on this podcast. It was beautiful talking to you. And I hope that you also had the same experience.
0: <laughs> and, Thank yeah. you, Kushi. That was that was I mean, it was really fun. And I want to say again, I mean, I'm a work in progress like everyone else. So I tell you a little bit of what I learned and hopefully there's more to learn <laughs> in the time to come.
1: If you like this episode, don't forget to share it with your friends and family. Do tag me on your social media handles. Up till then, take care of yourselves and keep spreading love. I'll talk to you soon.